Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the brand new Las Vegas Raiders. This is the Raiders Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosher. Third and seven. Jackson trying to get out, can't do it. He's taken okay. down and it's out. And the Raiders have recovered it. Carl Nassib had the hit on Jackson. Can't lose any yards here. Going to throw. Drake picked up the pressure. All alone is Zay Jones. And he will prance into the end zone for the touchdown and the victory in overtime for the Raiders. Oh, man, Marcus. Uh, Easily one of the craziest games of my lifetime, I think. You know, like from the visuals on ESPN2 with that Monday Night Manning thing, the Manning brothers and Russell Wilson kind of burying their head in their hands, not sure what they're even watching. Uh, to the shots of Gruden throwing his play sheet on the ground, right? And to Derek Carr's, like, hallelujah moment, like, looking up at the sky, like, oh, oh, we didn't lose the game after Lamar Jackson fumbled that ball. Like, this game literally had it all, man. It was it was freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of really good games in week one, but I promise you there was no game better than that one on Monday Night Football. I mean, what a wild game. <laughs> and for the Raiders to, to come out of there with a win, uh, pretty impressive. That was great. What did you learn? What did you learn most about the Raiders, Marcus, after this one? They're going to be a very stressful team <laughs> yeah, all season yes. long. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter if they're up 14 nothing or down 14 nothing. You're, you're not going to want to stop watching these Raider games. They should be a lot of fun. And John Gruden continues to be one of the best week one coaches in the NFL. Let's, let's make sure we remember that again next year when we're doing the show, Ryan. No doubt about it. Yeah, you're right. There was a wild opener last year with the Panthers, right? That was week one. And then, you know, the last, that's, they're 3-0 and now. Three years in a row, they've won mm-hmm. the first game. And I don't know, there's a smart guy who told you to back the Raiders in this game at home. <laughs> he talked about the Ravens being one of the most mm-hmm. overrated teams going into week one. And it, again, Marcus, I got to double down on this because I was trying to tell you, like Lamar Jackson, he's brilliant, right? And he makes a handful of amazing plays every week. But the Ravens are always doing this where they're like screwing up handoffs and Lamar's putting the ball on the ground. And throwing inaccurate passes like this is what the Ravens do all the time. I was trying to tell you last year about the the Patriots game, the, that crappy yeah. Patriots team beat the Ravens. You want to know why? It's because the center couldn't snap the ball. He kept snapping it like five feet away from Lamar, and Lamar's running around trying to get the ball. It was like this is the Ravens to me. So I thought they were a little overrated. I thought the Raiders could get them. Now I didn't think that when it was fourteen to nothing, but uh, I'm not so surprised that the Raiders pulled this thing out. I guess of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, so before you hurt your arm, try to pat yourself <laughs> on the back here, right? I'm trying to, yeah, uh, you're right. Remember, this, the Ravens were up 14 met, nothing, as you mentioned, and they were up 27 to 24 with 30 seconds left in this game. Like, they, they should have won this game. It wasn't for a couple of bad tackles and a couple of bad plays on defense. The Ravens should have won it, but man, you got to give credit to John Gruden, especially that defense for just finding ways to make plays when it matters the most. What, what an effort by that. Yeah, and, and I, de- I definitely want to talk about the defense and a couple of players in particular here coming up. But my main question coming out of this game, Marcus, is can we win consistently if we're the Raiders if Darren mm. Waller is targeted 20 times? And I got to say, Derek Carr, to start this game, he didn't, he didn't give a damn. He was going to throw it to Darren Waller no matter what, whether he was double or triple covered, whether it was there or not. I, th- I thought Carr should have thrown three interceptions in that first half, Marcus, targeting Darren Waller. But what's amazing is later in the game, I charted the team's final three possessions, right? So this is that field goal 
to tie it at the end and then the overtime. Mm-hmm. He didn't target Waller once. Three targets to Brian Edwards. Uh, that was three of his five in the game targets. Hunter Renfro, three targets. The target to Willie Sneed, which we could talk about if you want. That was a disaster. Oh, my god! And gosh. then the target to Z- the Zay Jones. Those were your uh, Derek Carr throws. Three to Edwards, three to Redfro, one to Sneed, one to Jones, zero to Waller at the end of the game. Now, I'm not saying we should not target Darren Waller, especially near the end zone, but I feel like you kind of you give yourself more options. You, you stress the defense a little <laughs> bit more when you actually throw to these guys. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think the plan for John Gruden and Derek Carr is to basically use Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, like body blows, right? That's just their jab that they're going to use early in the game. Yep. It's going to help them, you know, when they get to the last quarter or the last round or whatever metaphor you want to use, that's when they'll kind of start to unleash Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. But uh, I think Renfro and Waller are just there to move the chains. They're just going to pepper those guys with targets. And I do think that's a sustainable way to be good on offense because, you know what, Ryan? They did it last year. They were 6-3 and three last year just with that same exact strategy. Uh, so, yeah, I do think it's a, a successful one because Darren Waller might be one of the top three or four pass catchers in the NFL right now. It was amazing that Carr was just like, I don't care. I don't care what the Ravens are. I don't care if Marlon Humphrey's on him. I'm throwing the ball to you no matter what. And he doesn't care. It's so stubborn. Well, I love it. Because- He's six foot six and two hundred and sixty pounds, he's and awesome. he's always open. Yeah, right. That, I, love that I kind of don't blame Carr. Yeah, and you watch his—it's just so effortless. His routes, like sometimes he doesn't even do a whole lot, and he is wide right. open. He just runs into open space so well. Uh, but I got to after the Brian Edwards uh, game-winning touchdown, and we we got to move on. I know Marcus, but after this touchdown, when it was called back, and, you know, and, and Lamar Jackson's on the field with the towel over his shoulders, hugging everyone's hugging. The game's over. We all know watching the replay. It's not. It's coming back. Mm, yep. You knew a penalty was coming, right? After the ball was replaced on the one-yard line, you knew it was going to be a holding or, or a false start. You knew something was going to happen to Gruden and the Raiders in that in moment, and of course it did because it was the most predictable, the most Raiders thing ever. It's never easy with the Raiders. Even when the game is right there, they've got to make it the most difficult uh, thing possible. This, I think Gruden's got a little bit of a, a flair for the dramatic, right? <laughs> I think he wants to make sure that the, the fans that were there in attendance in Las Vegas got their money's worth. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, I mean, jeez, Alex Leatherwood, what, a, what an awful time to get a penalty. But at the same time, Ryan, why are the Raiders doing a hard count from the one inch line? Like, what's the benefit of trying to gain half an inch? I, I mean, I know a couple of people said a free play, but it, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem worth it when the, the risk is so big. Now you don't need a free play; just use the play you have. You, you know yeah, what I mean? just, still going to be second. Run down. the ball right up the middle. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, and I just again the visuals of Gruden and him talking in that oh headset. I, I just want to know what he was saying into that headset. <laughs> It was just so (laughs) tremendous. So, all right, so much to get to with this game. I do want to talk about some defensive players here coming up. A couple surprises for sure. But first, Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com is going to give us our fantasy players of the week to start in week two. We'll be right back. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number two of the fantasy football season. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays to get your season rolling right along. Quarterback Joe Burrow at the Chicago Bears. Some people might be immediately turned off by the name the Chicago Bears with the association of a one strong, proud defense. Forget about that. Last week, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford obliterated this defense and showed the blueprint of how to take advantage of the young cornerbacks who are actually a liability, especially against play-action passing. Take note, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay disciple, so you can be sure that he was watching how this one unfolded. 
Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon versus the Detroit Lions. The Packers returned to Lambeau Field after getting smacked in the mouth by the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. While he saw only five touches in the blowout loss, Dillon generated 26 yards of offense. Detroit has been one of the worst defenses of running backs in some time. We saw that play out last week with San Francisco backups taking full advantage of the situation. Look for an angry Packers offense to get up big, which could mean a lot of Dillon running out the clock late in the game. Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick at the Jacksonville Jaguars should be an interesting matchup for gamers to take a chance on. Wide receiver Jerry Judy has a high ankle sprain and he has been placed on short-term IR. Patrick caught all four of his targets last week for 39 yards and a touchdown. While I'm a little skeptical that he may have some competition for touches given the area of the field he tends to operate within. Owners looking for a PPR flex, especially anyone who lost Judy, should give Patrick a look. Los Angeles Chargers Titan Jared Cook versus the Dallas Cowboys. While Cook has no Gronk, he still has a pretty good matchup ahead. Dallas made some changes at linebacker in the offseason, and sure, they've gotten faster, but it looks like they're still not completely on the same page. Additionally, Los Angeles has the weapons to spread out this defense, which could leave Cook with a lot of room to operate in the middle of the field. He also benefits if running back Austin Eckler once again isn't involved in the passing game. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please go check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus, you were tweeting about this and writing about it on Raiders Wire before the game. Cleveland Farrell, healthy scratch. Mm. Oh, man. That's a, that's a tough blow, right? I mean, more reps for Carl Nassib, and he actually made some plays, forced a key fumble in this game. You gotta give, I got to give the Raiders a little bit of credit. They're not just rolling the guy out there because he was a fourth overall pick, right? But, oh, man, just the optics of that guy. Being a healthy scratch mm. is uh, that's brutal, right? Yeah, and then Damon Arnett, their first round pick from 2020, played one snap on defense. Mm. So to basically get nothing from those two players is pretty devastating. But uh, we did hear on Monday, excuse me, on Tuesday, uh, John Gruden did say that Farrell was dealing with a bit of a back injury. He does expect him to play in Week Two against Pittsburgh. But whenever your guy is inactive, and it sounds like he was was a healthy scratch, it's certainly a bit of a concern. Uh, but they got, man, they, they got great play from their defensive ends anyways. I think the Raiders are trying to instill this attitude and this belief that you gotta you got to work for your snaps. You're not just going to be given snaps because you were a first-round pick. You've got to earn them. Uh, and I think those guys that were out there playing on Monday night just certainly played like their hair was on fire. What, what an unbelievable game by Crosby and Ngongwe and Carl Nassau. Yeah, I mean, and Max Crosby was a guy I was going to ask about next, Marcus. I mean, he was one of the best players on the freaking field. And Ngakwe was great, too. No, I mean, yeah. I'm not, but yeah. Max Max Crosby, six tackles, two sacks. He hit Lamar Jackson four times. Like, usually you can't even touch Lamar because he's bouncing around. Uh, he was in the backfield all game long, it seemed like. It, no, no matter where you looked, Max Crosby's face was in my TV. You know what I mean? He was just – he was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, just – he was the best player on the field last night. I mean, whether he was going up against Alejandro Villanueva on the right side or going against Ronnie Stanley on the left side, he was just making plays. And I think the thing that was so impressive about him was the effort, right? You just saw him flying all over the field. There was a play where Lamar Jackson kind of bounced to the outside and Crosby chased him down and got the angle. And I think Lamar Jackson was shocked that somebody 
that size was able to stay with him. Uh, Crosby going into his third year is just playing like kind of the guy the Raiders were hoping Cleveland Farrell would be at pick number four. <laughs> yeah, he, he looked the part. He looked the part. So, you know, always with these games, you'll see this on Raiders Wire. You guys have put out these articles, good, the bad, the ugly, right? So there was some good in mm-hmm. the defense. Costing those turnovers, Max Crosby, the, line, the front seven was great in this game. I think it surprised a lot of mm-hmm. people. There was some bad, right, on the offensive side. Andre James, the new center. Now, on the broadcast, they kept bringing up Rodney Hudson, Marcus, right? A couple times, like, oh, you know, this team's really (laughs) missing Rodney Hudson. Almost like Hudson left in free agency and, you know, spurred the uh, Raiders for another day. No, 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 we traded that guy. We traded him. So, I mean, you know, James was just bunch of penalties screwed up a snap a couple times was really rough in that first half especially so what you see there that was part of the ugly of the game i think a oh bit. man the, the offensive line it's a shock that the raiders won this game with the state of their offensive line yeah. because andre james did not play well uh alex leather with the first round pick he had an up and down day like you he's a rookie you'll you're you're gonna see that he gave up two sacks and then they had an injury to denzel good who right before we Tough. jumped on this podcast ryan uh, loss of the year to oh. a torn ACL. Oh. He actually came back in this game and played with a torn ACL. He started the second half, just couldn't move out there. So they had to replace him. The team was already down Richie incognito who has not practiced over the last month. So to have two backup guards in there and a rookie right tackle and a center who's never started a game before it, it was rough as you would expect, but they got the job done. So give credit to, to Tom Cable John Gruden for finding a way to move the ball in offense despite a pretty poor offensive line. Yeah, I did not see that Denzel good news, man. That is uh, that's tough. That's really tough. And, you know, and another thing I was really w- going to be watching was the run defense uh, because you know I was trying to I was trying to push back a little bit, even though I do subscribe to your theory that running backs don't matter. I'm actually a subs- <laughs> I'm actually part of the club. I actually subscribe. Thank you. To Thank that. you. I agree with you 100. percent But I thought with the Ravens, just because. They have so much crap with the misdirection, the ball handling, a fake handoff here, whatever. That that Tyson Williams, this guy we've never heard of, um, mm-hmm. for him to be thrusted into the number one role with Latavius Murray getting mixed in. And Murray was really, I mean, I know it was a contract thing. He got cut by the Saints, but he had a bad camp. He did not look, it did not look like no, he had the same no. burst. So Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray, I just thought that the Ravens would feel that. And I got to give the Raiders credit. I think a big part, I think a, a big reason why they won, Marcus, is because they didn't let the Ravens run for over 200 yards and just torture them. They were okay. They left the big run to Williams. I do think that, in all seriousness, looking at this, running backs don't matter. <laughs> it was a good day for Marcus <laughs> on Twitter, and I'm sure you were roasting people a little bit because the Raiders were fine against the run, but I, it, I guess 180, 190 yards, probably too much. Yeah, I mean, I think Latavius Murray is getting to the point where we say running backs don't matter because there's so many guys out there that can provide replacement level value we might be at the stage ryan where latavius murray can't even do that he's been in the nfl a long time but i think the raiders were happy anytime he was on the field instead of tyson williams or trent cannon for that matter because both of those guys just had way more juice than what murray did uh we're getting close to the end for murray but uh the ravens i mean excuse me the raiders run defense wasn't great but it didn't kill them right they weren't getting gashed on every single first down they made stops when they needed to. KJ Wright had a beautiful stop on fourth and one uh, to knock. Yeah, I believe it was to knock Latavius Murray down in the backfield. You know, that's what they need. Is their, their run defense is never going to be great, but they just need timely stops, and they got them on Monday Night Football, and that's what they needed to do. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. That was a great way to put it. They didn't kill him. And, and that's right. We, we had to have – Lamar Jackson had to throw it 30 times, right? And he did. And that's a good thing for the Raiders. We said he's got to be in passing situations. He only completed around 63%. That's normal for Lamar. You know, that's, right. that's where he's at. So I thought the Raiders, pretty good job on defense. Got down 14 to nothing. Found a way to get some takeaways and some stops. A good opening week. The Raiders are 1-0. So how do we feel about them now going into week two against the Steelers? Ooh. Marcus Ooh. and I have been talking about the Steelers a little bit in some of our sports betting segments and you know, throughout the summer. So this is an interesting little matchup. We'll get into it here. But first, our friends from the Sportsbook Wire are going to give us their play of the week. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast here with my colleague, as always, Jeff Clark, breaking down the Sunday night football matchup for week two between the Kansas City Chiefs and the host Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, plus 160, home underdogs, Chiefs minus 200, Baltimore plus three and a half on the spread. Jeff, is that interesting to you coming off their overtime loss against the Raiders? Yeah, this is a buy-low spot for the Ravens. It's getting through the key number of three. You got three in the hook. Lamar was terrible last week throwing the ball, but Cleveland was able to run the ball all over Casey's defense. I think Lamar and Baltimore does the same. I think he passes a little bit better against his weak Kansas City defense, and I think Baltimore's defense improves after their stinker against the Raiders and Derek Carr. I'll take the three and a half with the Ravens. How about you? Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. 34-21 win in Baltimore last week. That's good enough for me. I'm siding with the Chiefs, minus 3.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Real quick, if you happen to come across this podcast, either online, maybe in one of the articles on Raiders Wire, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts, right on your phone. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. We appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And Marcus, I'm really glad that the Raiders pulled this game out. Not only because I, I don't know if I called it, right? I don't know. I did. I think I did. did. I did. I called it. I said, bet the money line, not the spread. Um, I'm glad they won that game because I'm not giving them much of a shot against the Steelers. Now, you know how I feel about the Steelers. I mean, as much as I thought the Ravens were a little overrated, I thought the Steelers were were one of the most underrated teams coming in. Maybe not so much now that they went into Buffalo and beat that team. So I think we've talked about on past episodes, loving the futures bets with the Steelers. I just thought there was mm-hmm. some value on that team. And I think with the line on the typical sportsbook app at five and a half in Pittsburgh, I just love the Steelers to win this one by six plus. I don't think lightning strikes twice for the Raiders, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I was actually, as I was watching that game, I was going to pick uh, the Raiders to upset Pittsburgh in week two. However, too many things went wrong for the Raiders in this game. And I'll, I'll lay it out. This was a very physical emotionally draining game for the Raiders that went to overtime. It's really tough for a team that plays on a Monday night football game to play on Sunday and kind of replicate that energy. That's even more so the case when you're traveling from the West coast to the East coast and you're playing a 1 PM kickoff. That's just brutal for any team. We've seen across uh, the NFL over the last like 20 years, 
when a West Coast team goes to the East Coast, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are, you lose that game like 86 to 88% of the time. So they're already behind the eight ball a little bit. And then when you factor in the injuries, uh, we talked about Denzel Good. Yannick Ngakwe sounds like he's going to be out with a hamstring injury. Oh. Uh, they lost Gerald McCoy to a quad injury. He's going to be out in this game. Marcus Mariota, who John Gruden talked about having a big package for him, he's not going to be able to play. And then on top of that, you've got guys like Josh Jacobs, who was pretty clearly compromised in week one. We'll see how he plays against the Steelers. It's just a, it's a brutal, brutal matchup. It's a tough timing here. I, I agree with you. I, I'm I love Pittsburgh plus or excuse me minus five and a half in this one. Yeah, and I and I think at the end of the day, you tell me the Raiders are going to split these two games. I'd be, I'd be happy with that, right? The total was the totals at forty eight and a half. I think there's some movement for the under, and I think I kind of like the under, right? The the Raiders yep. are. A little inconsistent on offense right now. It still looks like they're trying to figure out exactly what they're doing on offense. And we're just going to throw it to Darren Waller. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense is really good. Right. Really good. That's where I was going next. Their defense is awesome. They just shut down the Bills. Again, looking at the Steelers' offense as well, the offense didn't exactly put on a show in Buffalo. They they won that game by a special teams touchdown. The Steelers' offensive line, a little rough. They have four new starters, I think, including a, a rookie left tackle and center. So it could be another uh, another day for Max Crosby and company. And we all know Big Ben really can't move in the pocket. Um, and the Steelers are really more of a yards-after-catch kind of team right now than they are a, we're going to chuck it down the field and try to burn you. So I, I do feel like this game sets up to be kind of a, a running game, low-scoring 48 and a half is a lot of points for this matchup. I, I really like the under. I, I agree. I think the Raiders are going to have a hard time scoring. With Pittsburgh's defensive line, Cameron Hayward just dominated Buffalo last week. And Buffalo has a pretty good offensive line. He's going to be going against basically two undrafted free agents here in week two. He might have double-digit pressures once again. It's Alex Leatherwood against TJ Watt. Oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, don't love that matchup nope. either, so... I, I think the Raiders are going to try to be very conservative. I think they're going to try to protect their young offensive linemen. A lot of short underneath passing. I don't think the Raiders are going to score more than 14, 17 points in this one. Uh, I like it when we're on the same side of things, Marcus. It makes me feel a lot more yeah. comfortable. You know, I wasn't comfortable going into that past week. You know, you were yeah. really trying to school me on that. Uh, th- this one feels too easy, right? Like, I, I don't love Ben Roethlisberger. He hasn't had a game where he's averaged over seven and a half yards per attempt since 2018. But it's just, I, I like Pittsburgh at home in this game quite a bit. All right, well, for Marcus, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. We'll catch you next week with another episode of the Raiders Wire Pod. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.